Podcast One. In 1993, Ray Good, a.k.a. Sugar Ray, was one of the world's top DJs. He then had a breakdown, learnt to meditate and started a seafood empire. Now he's on a mission to teach mindfulness and meditation to business owners everywhere. Um. <laughs> it's a very chilled and slightly stupid episode 456 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I say welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing meditations. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, you, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that's what we do around here, day in, day out. Plus, you can also join our free Facebook group to discuss the learnings from each episode with myself and others just like you. Just search for the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe on Facebook. Big episode today. We catch up with an ex-rockstar DJ, Ray Good, who turned his personal and business life around after hitting rock bottom. We even do a little meditation during this interview. LA-based concierge to the stars, Steve Sims, is back to share another simple way to wow those precious clients of yours. I'll tell you about a couple of guests we've got coming up in the coming weeks. But as per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping. From the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Oh, wow. 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 Oh, wow. I can't hear you. Oh, wow. Did someone say something? Yep. It's time for another business building tip to wow those precious clients of yours. And as usual, all the way from California, IA. We're joined by Steve Sims, speaker and best-selling author of Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Simsy, how are we going to wow those precious clients of ours this time around? Well, well I'm going to tell you why you need to get one of those funny hats on your head. You need to channel your inner Sherlock Holmes for this one. Oh, okay. See, I'm oh, yeah. I'm here to tell you that you should never give a client what they ask for. You should give them what they need. Now, the trouble is nowadays, most people come to you and they say they want something. But let's, let's be serious. You're the expert. You're in business. You know how to do these things. Nine times out of ten, the people that come to you asking for something, they don't know what they don't know. Mm. It's your job. It's your responsibility. It's your obligation to delve in. Get your hat on. Channel your internal Sherlock and go, why do you want to do that? Why is this important to you? What is the outcome that you're looking to achieve? Have you looked at other avenues? You've got to start becoming a therapist. You've got to become you and a Sherlock, and you've got to focus on giving them what they need over what they uneducatedly asked you for. They don't know what they don't know. They absolutely don't, and why should they? You don't walk into a doctor and go, right, I need you to cut hair, splice hair, join. No, you go into a doctor and you go, hey, something's wrong. What can I do? 
and leave it to the experts. You're the expert. That's why you're in business. It's interesting. It's it's a, a talent that great interviewers and I wouldn't know, but I've <laughs> I've heard uh, great interviewers <laughs> have, which is um, be curious. You know, keep asking and asking until you get the truth of the the answer. You know, instead of that, because often people respond initially, as you say, with what they think they need, or not what they need, what they want. But you just got to keep prodding, asking that why question, and you finally get to the truth. Well, what they think they want, there's the danger. It's, mm. And that's why I said the uneducated, you don't know what you don't know. You're there to tell them, hey, there's another way to do things. And so that's your job and your obligation. There you go. Another killer way to make your precious clients go wow. Thanks, Steve. Bye. So the year was 1993. The Prodigy had just gone platinum, crop tops were cool, don't know why, and Ray Good was living the good life as one of the world's top 100 DJs, spinning decks at sold-out raves in London, Tokyo, Berlin, organising large-scale music events. He even owned Australia's most respected import record store and his own record label. But then the good life came to an end, didn't it? He went too hard, too early. Ray was burning out, and so were most of his mates. Eventually, some very good friend tapped him on the shoulder and suggested he try meditation. And from that point on, he's never looked back. He launched a hugely successful, sustainable seafood restaurant empire, which he subsequently sold in order to focus 100% on his real passion. That is helping entrepreneurs and business owners like you and I find their good, good place via meditation. And as Ray says... And I quote, the best guy to teach silence is the one who understands noise, end quote. I like that. So in this candid chat, Ray shares his business building strategies, his coping strategies, how he built Hooked into a mini empire, and how and why we should all meditate. Ray even takes us through a beautiful guided meditation, which I think you're going to love. I certainly did. But before we get all peaceful, I started off by asking Ray to describe his crazy life as a DJ. Woo, pretty crazy. Um, yeah, as you just mentioned, made it onto the list of the world's top 100 DJs. Um, so, But also, at the same time, I was uh, building up an empire. I was running uh, large-scale uh, rave parties in Sydney and dance parties. I had weekly club nights going. I had uh, my own import record store and uh, record label as well. So... Um, and, you know, this was at quite an early age. I guess I was kind of in, you know, this is early 90s. I was probably about sort of 22, 23, you know, living the dream, um, you know, and, and juggling a lot, lot, I guess. And, um, you know, it was inevitable, I guess, that um, I was going to burn out. And, um, you know, and it's also the first time I really faced, uh, you know, stress and anxiety in, a, in a, a very sort of, um, yeah, with, with what I was doing. So, um, Tell us about your lowest moment. I mean, it sounded like a pretty good time. I mean, you're probably having a ball. Yeah, uh, you know, of course. Lost, you know, lost. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was. It was amazing. I was, you know, getting paid stupid, stupid amounts of money to go around basically play records to people up all night and um you know it was amazing it's a, you know it's a you know amazing career but you know 
there's another side to it that you know a lot of people don't see. Obviously, the late nights um, back then, people were smoking in uh, clubs, um, you know, and there's a lot of stress. I mean, promoting was extremely stressful. Um, you know, you'd put on an event and you could easily lose sort of 50, 60 grand in a night. So, um, you know, there was a lot of stress that was, that goes with that. And, um, you know, and I started to feel that I started to, um, you know, my health started to suffer, uh, mentally and physically. And, um, I needed to try and find a way to try and balance it out. Um, so uh, a friend told me about um, a meditation class. I never knew anything about meditation. I thought it was all crystals, candles, and sandals. And um, I went along, and, um, yeah, that day changed my life forever. I've had a daily meditation practice for 27 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah so that, that, that rolled off the tongue very easily. We've gone from an incredible period of your life in the 90s through yeah. to, I guess, I mean, you didn't use the word breakdown, but I guess there was a dark moment where you hit rock bottom. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, as an, uh, as an entrepreneur or anyone that's in business, we all have to face, uh, you know, anxiety is always in the background. It's, uh, it's part of being an entrepreneur, I guess, and, and, and being in business. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, but also, my, like, I was getting, you know, I was having problems with my sleep and, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was constantly getting run down. And I really had to... You know, I really had to find a way to balance that out. So obviously uh, meditation, but also yoga. I got into my, you know, I really watched what I started to eat and, and really, uh, well, like I really looked after my well-being as a way because I loved my career and I was in it for the, I was in it for the long game. So uh, whereas a lot of people around me, they were, par- I wasn't partying. It was, it actually was a business for me and I was treating it very much like a business as a long-term career. Um, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't into the, you know, the, the crazy party side of it, yeah. you know. I didn't don't even think I drink drunk back then, you know. I, I loved music, I loved DJing. I've always been really passionate about music, and um, you know, and I found a tribe of people that I really connected with within um, the club scene and then the rave scene in the early nineties in Sydney. And uh, I really, you know, I really uh, felt like I belong. And you know, so for me, um, yeah, I was in it for the long game. So I had to find ways to kind of balance it out. So, a wonderful friend clearly taps you on the shoulder, says, "Try this thing called meditation." What did that do yeah. for you? Um, well, all of a sudden, well, at the time, um, I couldn't stop. I, my brain was going at a million miles an hour. I just couldn't switch off. <laughs> Welcome to uh, the world. Well, I think the world's caught up with me now, right? <laughs> Everyone I talk to is in the same boat. It's yeah. only, you know, I went through this you know, all that time ago, um, you know, I couldn't switch off and, um, and I felt really, hun- you know, I wasn't satisfied with life. I had everything that, um, you know, we aspire to achieve. Uh, and I say this in a way, not uh, in an egotistical way, but in a, in a way of, you know, I, I had, you know, I was making loads of money. I had all this status and all this stuff, but inside I really didn't feel like there was something missing and I really didn't feel happy. And there was like a personal happiness that was kind of missing in my life. And I just didn't get it because, you know, I'm a working class boy. I grew up in East End of London, one of the poorest areas, uh, uh, of Britain, um, very working class, I had a terrible education, um, you know, and you grow up with that, you know, striving and trying to achieve and, and you kind of get there and, and then it's kind of, you finally reach it and something's missing. So um, I guess that kind of, uh, that was missing as well. So, yeah. So um, off the back of that, you, you yep. get well again um, and you decide to start 
another business <laughs> in seafood. You leave the DJing scene behind and started a business called Hooked. I actually maintained a professional DJing career for okay. uh, about 15 years. So all during that time, um, you know, meditation was a tool to help me deal with a lot of the ups and downs that I kind of faced during my career as a DJ. But, you know, coming to the end of that, uh, I had a, you know, I had a little boy, I was married and uh, decided that, you know, being up till, you know, four o'clock in, in smoky nightclubs and, you know, having constant, we called it club lag, trying to catch up on the sleep. I'd done it. I'd achieved everything I needed to achieve. There was nothing left to achieve. And I felt... You know, I was feeling really bored and, and kind of I needed a new challenge. And um, I actually uh, I moved to Melbourne uh, and decided to um, hang up the headphones, leave those and leave Sydney, move to Melbourne and, um, you know, restart my life. And, and I chucked myself into um, opening a chain of restaurants. I had absolutely no experience in wow. uh, food before. I was a passionate cook. But um you know, funnily enough, I saw a great opportunity uh, for an idea to open a chain of like cool, uh, healthy focused, I guess, uh, fish and chip shops done in a really cool way, really branded really well and really healthy, you know, nice grilled fish, beautiful salads, brown rice, bok choy. And I actually got the idea when I was in Byron Bay, of all places, DJing. There was a, uh, a little, um, an amazing fish and chip shop up there called Fishmongers. It's behind the beach hotel and I was up there one day with this uh, English DJ that I was DJing with up there and he's going like, why hasn't someone done this? Why hasn't someone taken fish and chips, rebranded it and done it in a really cool way? And it, uh, that idea kind of stuck with me and, and you know, being an Englishman, fish and chips is is the um, the national meal yes. over there. It's just just understanding, that, that's really interesting. So you have, you've got no experience in this field, you've never owned mm. a restaurant or a cafe, you've not been in hospitality, but you saw, and I love this, you, you saw a, an industry that was under-marketed and under-branded. Lots of fish and chip shops around the place. They're all over Australia, yeah. as I'm sure they're all over England. But yeah. no one had actually taken it up a step and created no. something cool and funky and healthy. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's all very well to see that. I mean, I, yeah, I, th- I can look around now and probably identify another three, five, ten types of industries that are like that, but to actually then take the step and go, I'm actually going to create one, that's a big Mm -hmm. step. Uh, Yeah, it's a massive step. Um, You know, just to kind of intervene there, while this was happening as well, I kind of, I went through a divorce, uh, lost, uh, you know, lost custody of my son. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, I was dealing with personal crisis and suffering. So, you know, I needed needed a project to chuck myself into as well. you know, and so, you know, I had the energy and the drive. I mean, this was, you know, um, probably about, um, God, probably about 12 years ago. So I did. I just, you know, chucked my, you know, I took that leap of faith and said that, you know, I'm going to make it happen. And I did. I, and I had a great name for it. That's the other thing. I always get inspired with businesses when I come up with a good name. Yes, me too. Um, came up with the name Hooked. And I thought, that's such a great name. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. It's such a great name. Mm. Well, it has that. It, it's short. It's funky. It's got that element of kind of like it's so good. I want more. Uh, it's, it's fishy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I'm the same. It's funny. You come come up with a good name, and uh, it kind of can lay the foundation for what the rest of the business looks like. I found that in my career, in in a lot of things that I've done, uh, even going back to when I first started throwing parties. Um, you know, I came up with this name, Love, 
and it was like what a great name at the time for you know it was the summer of love in britain uh, just come to an end uh, and you know it was a great name uh, so again that you know inspired me to start a whole series of parties and i found that a lot of a lot of the things that i've done have come from these names and you know and now i'm at the good place <laughs> i love that which we will come to <laughs> yeah uh, with hawked so mm. you launched your first shop was in Pran or somewhere in off Chapel Street, wasn't it? In in Melbourne, uh, it was on yeah, it was in Windsor in on Windsor. Chapel Street. Uh, mm. And what was the key to its success? Because it went on to have some a, a great level of success. What did what did you get right? A lot of hard work, as anyone knows that runs a business. And I guess um, being in the right time, you know, be, a bit of luck as well, being in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, when I set it up, my aim was to set up a chain of these uh, restaurants around Australia, potentially maybe a go- global brand. You know, at the time, I'd been reading so many books about I really immersed myself in business books, you know. I went right back, did Dale Carnegie, um, you know, Jim Collins, you know, the EMF, re- you know, about setting up systems, yep. EMF revisited, a lot of those like classic business books. I really immersed myself in that uh, before I took on this project. Um, and so it was about setting up a business and setting up systems, um, which was really important. So I think that fundamentally at the start, that's that, that helped because, you know, it's about setting up systems. And it didn't, you know, it also helped that, you know, I had one of my, you know, mates down here had a brilliant um, marketing and branding business. Um, that could really <laughs> well. That he introduced <laughs> us, Paul Finlay. He put us together, and uh, what's it his is. brands to life? Great business. Yeah. And tell, tell me about yeah. that because I mean yeah. I know Paul is passionate about branding uh, and the visual yeah. side of branding. Uh, you clearly are too. How important was that in in bringing Hook to life? It was everything. Branding, the way you brand your business is, is, is essential, especially today, even more so today. But throughout all, my, biz, uh, all my, my business career so far, branding is absolutely, it says everything about you. You know, every touch point has to be branded. Um, you know, it's, it, it's who you are. It's your, you know, it says so much about you. And obviously, Paul, as a, uh, you know, we've known each other a long time. He actually started off doing the flyers for a lot of my parties back in the, uh, the early days. And, um, and we developed this friendship, but he's an, ama- he's amazing at what he does, um, with brands to life and, um, and a great mentor as well. I have to say he, he was, uh, he mentored me as well through that period. Cause I'd come to Melbourne with, I didn't know anyone. I was on my own and, you know, I had a couple of great mates down here that really helped. And, um, yeah, so, you know, and, at that time as well, you know, in Windsor, the there wasn't that much competition. There was only like there was a, a chain of uh, restaurants called Grilled that did like burgers, yeah. healthy burgers. You know, I I run that business for ten years, um, so I scoured it, and and of course the first two years after six weeks of me being in this business, um, I was doing the the front of house, you know, because I believe it's really important that you roll your sleeves up, you get in, you get in the trenches, and you really. You know, immerse yourself in the business. And uh, my chef walked out. He was actually staying with me at the time. I still remember this. Yeah. He was. I, I I confronted him about something, and he goes, "Stuff you." Walked out, and then I remember just. It was a very dark day. I was sitting there, and I was realizing that I didn't have a chef, and uh, I had this restaurant, and I'm going to have to learn how to cook very very quickly. And so I spent the next two years actually behind the the, the deep fryers um, cooking. Believe it or not, so as well as running the business, so I did everything in there the first couple of years, and so you know I really immersed myself in the business, really knew it really well, and and I think that's really important with with, with 
you know, setting up a business and, and the success of that business probably, you know, because it was a success. It was crazy. You know, within we started getting all these great reviews in, um, you know, the Good Food Guide and and then it just took off. It was crazy. There was queues out the door every single night. It was it was, uh, you know, and, and, and I loved it. I loved the uh, I loved, actually really loved being um Behind the fryers, doing the cooking, um, being pumped, as they say. Uh, I loved, I loved the rush of that. It, it, you kind of really get into the zone. Oh, that's interesting. How many stores did you get to, Ray? I built it up to three, three stores, uh, and with thirty-five staff. Nice. Yeah, and did that for, and, and we, and then then I exited from that about uh, three years ago. So I ran it for ten years. Ray. Um... What role did meditation play in Hooked, Hook's success? It's been an essential tool to help me deal with the, you know, the stress and pressure uh, of running businesses. Absolutely, I, I don't think I could have done it without that, um, without that tool. Like, you know, I, I've got different tools that I use to help me, um, but yeah, it was, it, you know, in, in in many many different ways, not only to deal with stress, but also, you know, to communication with my staff and productivity and focus uh, on on so many different levels. Well, you sold hooked, and now you're 100 percent focused on the business of mindfulness and meditation. Uh, yeah, was that a scary decision to kind of leave what was clearly a successful business behind and and launch into something that? I'm guessing many people still don't get. It's a new industry, absolutely. It feels um, – I, I, you'd be surprised, actually. Most people get it. Most people actually are doing it. It's actually surprisingly um, becoming very, very mainstream, very, very fast. But it is a new industry. I think it's only in the last five years that it's really kind of exploded uh, into the mainstream consciousness um, before that, it was all, you know, as we said earlier, you know, it, it had the worst meditation had the worst branding uh, that you could think of. It was all crystals, candles and sandals. So, um, you know, but that's all changed. And it's changed, I think, because of two things. The first one, stress. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're living in a world. <laughs> he laughs. <laughs> yeah, stress is well. We are. We're living in a world that's very sort of volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Um, we're struggling with time scarcity, hyperconnectivity, information overload, and constant distraction. And um, we just can't switch off or unplug. Mm. Um, and of course, it's taking its toll. You know, we, we're having problems sleeping. We're having problems focusing. And of course, mental health conditions such as anxiety and uh, depression are skyrocketing. Um, the World Health Organization says that depression is the biggest health issue globally now. And, um, and stress is also the leading cause of ill health in the workplace, you know, mm. resulting in burnout, increased absenteeism and presenteeism. So it doesn't matter if you're a full-time puppy cuddler, we all feel stressed. <laughs> I want to talk more about the whole mindfulness and meditation movement and how it impacts how it can positively impact the business owner. But why don't we mm. practice one right now, Ray? Is that a good idea? Yeah, let's give it a go. I've, I'd love know, that, To all those out there that have never tried a meditation, let's just do let's do a simple uh, like two-minute micro meditation, as I call it. And this is great. You can use this throughout the day if you're feeling a little stressed, um, scattered, um, or before a meeting or a presentation, or just as a little, just to have a little break between tasks, just to give you a chance to sort of reset, refocus, and recharge. What do you think? I, I think that's an awesome idea. Um, if I fall asleep, just sort of you know, tap on the uh, tap on the microphone to wake me up. <laughs> Tim, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Jamie, if you could just uh, dull the lights in the studio, please, and light the candles. 
All right, buddy, I'm ready when you are. This is awesome. And by the way, if anyone, if you are driving or if you are doing, you are handling. Yeah, we have dangerous. to put a disclaimer in here. If you're driving, don't do this meditation right. while you drive. If you are chopping down trees with chainsaws, which you probably wouldn't be listening to the show if you were doing that, but you know, if you are doing yeah. something that requires you to just uh, take your mind off for a while, then just stop what you're doing. Yeah. Okay, so this meditation is called a STOP meditation, and it's an acronym for, it means uh, STOP, whatever you're doing right now, take a couple of nice deep breaths, um, observe your experience, and then proceed mindfully. So um, with uh, a lot of the people that I coach and the businesses that I coach, obviously, just doing it. You know, a very simple one or two minute meditation a couple of times during the day, they find they get a lot of benefit out of it. So we'll begin this meditation. Just make sure that you're comfortable. And if you can, make sure your back's nice and straight. And uh, closing the eyes, if that feels comfortable, you can just lower your gaze gently in front of you in a very loose and unfocused way. And so we'll begin this meditation just by taking a couple of deep breaths. So breathe in through the nose, down into the belly, and then out through the mouth. So breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, and breathe out. And then we're just going to observe our experience right now. What's going on? What's the weather pattern like inside? What thoughts are here? What feelings? And then just bring your awareness to the whole body sitting here. Just being aware of any sensations in the body. You might feel some tension in the, sh in the shoulders just have an awareness of whatever's going on in the body. And then just bring your awareness to the body breathing. Maybe you can bring your awareness to the, the expansion and contraction of the breath down in the abdomen. Just sort of rest your attention here on the in-breath and the out-breath. We're not trying to control the breath in any way. We're just feeling the breath coming in and going out. If your mind wanders off and you get caught up in thinking, planning, worrying, without judgment or evaluation, you just bring your attention back to the sensation of the breath and just start again. And then as our meditation finishes, just bring your awareness back to the space around you. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and proceed with your day with a little bit more calm, clarity and focus. Tim, wake up. Uh, <laughs> where are we? Who's this on the phone? Hello, Ray. <laughs> hey, that mate. was beautiful, mate. I, I, I am a meditator and... You know, some there are some days where I forget to meditate, and yes. when I do it again, I'm reminded of just how beautiful it is, and yeah. it's incredible. I mean, what was that? Two minutes, and it can make such a shift in your mind. 
Absolutely. Just to, it just even one minute counts, you know, just to, to stop and um, just take a break, you know. Um, it, 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 it's really powerful. Um, and I guess, you know, uh, this is a reason why um, it's exploding globally at the moment. Um, I, I learned a great technique a few years ago called JAM, which is the acronym for just a minute. And it was simply yeah. just to set you set a little beep on your phone or your watch or your computer uh, on the hour, which many 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 watches do that anyway. And um, mm. it was just a reminder to take one minute and to sit in silence and to observe your breath. That was it, nothing yeah. else. And boy, it just it just it's a cleanser. That's what it is. It it just cleanses your mind of all that noise that's going on uh, throughout your day. Yeah, it just it helps you just it just set, it just calms the mind, settles the mind a little bit. And there's also a whole lot of science behind when we actually focus on our breath, we activate um, our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest, and that's the opposite to the sympathetic nervous system, the, the fight or flight, the stress response. And, and that's one of the reasons why meditation is really powerful in helping us to deal with stress and and just to you know it's nice just to power down for a couple of minutes and you know, before we power back up and, and getting into our day. So, you know, for doing a couple of these, I, I look at the, you know, doing a couple of these little meditations during the day, uh, you know, really, really, uh, really powerful way just to reset and refocus. I, I was listening to a podcast only last week uh, with Oprah and Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Uh, who wrote The Power of Now. And this particular episode I was listening to, they were talking about the space, that we've got to find the space in between the madness, which is what we just did then. Yeah. We all just did then uh, collectively, and it's such a nice thing to do where that space in between, you know, of w- what's that order I've got to put in and what's that marketing I've got to do and who's that client I've got to reach out to and I've got to pick the kids up. And it's like it's just noise, yeah. noise, noise. And if you don't actively seek out those little moments of space, then you go mad. And that's why the world is going mad. That's why anxiety is on the, you know, massive increase. Absolutely. Mm. We, we don't just take the time just to stop and, 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 and take, a, you know, take a little break. Uh, and uh, you're absolutely right, Tim. It's, Ray, exactly- I think you're onto something here, mate. So you've turned this into a business. I love it. The good place. Dot com yeah. dot au is where people can go and do what? How do you turn this into a business? Are you going into businesses and, you know, get every, everyone to stop? What, what are you doing? So at the moment, um, you know, I'm a solopreneur. I don't, you know, it's just about me and, 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 and my message and trying to get people into their good place. So um, I do one-on-one coaching with people, uh, mindfulness coaching. And, um, and then, yeah, I go into businesses. I work with a lot of, you know, uh, high performers, business leaders and forward-thinking companies um, and, and run workshops about how we can, um, you know, cultivate mindfulness but then also how we can be more productive, um, improve our performance. How do you sell we, it? Is it a hard sell? At the moment, mindfulness is um, – it's it's been over the past five years. I, don't, I think everyone has heard of mindfulness. You'd have to be living under a rock to, yep. to, to not have heard of mindfulness. You know, a lot of workplaces are seeing that, you know, uh, not only does it lower work-related stress, but it also improves sort of well-being and happiness, improves performance. But then you can also get a competitive advantage out of it. So it's kind of a, a I guess, a win-win situation. And you look at a lot of the um, – you know, half the Fortune 500 now offer mindfulness, 
meditation training to their employees. You've got companies like um, Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Goldman Sachs, PwC. Uh, so in America, it's obviously um, it's it's massive. And I mean, you've only got to look at the number of people in the United States over the last six years. The number of people uh, practicing mindfulness meditation has tripled from 4% of the population to 14.4%. Uh, and it's currently being used by 35 million people. Huh. And the meditation app Headspace has been downloaded uh, 20 million times. So it's uh, it's a $1.2 billion industry in the States alone. So um, as I said, you know, every, everyone, um, most people have heard of mindfulness when I go in and talk about it. And, and people are really receptive because um, we are living in a world that's, that's just so fast paced and, and we need the tools. And this is a tool to help you kind of cope with that. What, what do you say to the business owner listening who either says this is all woo-woo nonsense and I think you've proved it's not uh, or they say, look, I just cannot simply find the time. I can't find the time to go out and grab a sandwich, much less sit in in stillness and, you know, not do anything. Well, you know, I hear that all the time. And so I don't have time. I can't, you know, I can't find the time. Well, I say to them, you talk about Oprah earlier. If Oprah's got time to meditate, you've got time to meditate. And there's a reason that many of the world's top performers, um, you know, are turning to mindfulness. It's not because they've got tons of free time. It's because they're going to be less stressed. They're going to be more productive and efficient. And they're going to reach their goals a lot faster. So the truth is that you don't have the time not to meditate. You know, invest in 2% of your day into a practice that's going to radically improve the other 98% of your day is a good return on investment. And I don't know, it's, you've, yeah. got, you've got to invest in yourself and, uh, you, you know, your mental health. Um, you know, meditation and mindfulness, in the same way we exercise to look after our bodies, we can think of this as exercise for our minds and our brain. And that's the way that it's being looked upon by, um, you know, a lot of people now. It's being taught in schools. Um, the British government um, three weeks ago announced that it was uh, rolling out a new subject across 370 schools in Britain called mindfulness, um, with awesome. one in eight English school children suffering from a uh, mental health issue. You know, they're, they're, they're rolling it out in schools. Um, hospitals, prisons, the military, as we mentioned before, and a lot of uh, corporations, you know, are all turning to mindfulness and meditation. So um, I think it's like yoga in the 70s, jogging in, so no, like jogging in the 70s, yoga in the 90s. Uh, it's the next big public health revolution. You are the Richard Simmons of the of 2019. <laughs> a, a, a I thought he was going to say, Jamie, I was the Jamie Oliver of meditation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have been a much nicer thing to have said because I like Jamie. Richard was a bit... I love Jamie too. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love it, Ray. Good on you, buddy. I, I, I just think, you know, you're doing good things uh, and it's in a, in, a, in a world that really, really needs what you have to offer. So I hope the good place is as successful as Hooked and as successful as your DJing career, and that uh, it's all up from here. Thanks, mate. Good on you, mate. Namaste. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. There you go, ex-DJ turned mindfulness entrepreneur, Ray Good, and a big thanks to Paul Finlay from marketing agency Brands to Life for connecting me with Ray. By the way, Ray, Ray has kindly donated a coaching session to one lucky listener who enters the Monster Prize draw. Now, here's what grabbed my attention from that very relaxed chat with Ray. Attention grab at number one, start to meditate, invest in yourself. 
if you if you're not including that as part of your daily business and personal ritual, I think it'd be a really really good thing to do. Attention grabber number two. Great names can be the start of a great business idea. I love this thought. I've often thought that. Ray clearly thinks the same. So if you need to name a business, maybe you've got to name a new product or service or package that you're putting together, come up with a good name. It gives it energy and you'll find yourself getting a little bit more excited than you normally would. Attention grab at number three, every touch point has to be branded. I like this. Ray's big on branding. I've, I've looked at the hook or the hooked branding when he started that. His branding for uh, The Good Place, which is his new business now, is fantastic. And he makes sure that whether it's the business card or the website, his imagery, it's all beautifully consistent. And I tell you what, it doesn't cost any more to be consistent than it does to be not consistent. That's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, be sure to block out some time and implement it because that, my friend, is where the action is. That brings us almost to the end of episode 456. A reminder that you'll find plenty more where this came from on the podcast One Australia app, plus my entire archive is over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Hey, got some solid interviews coming up, including a chat with a young fellow from Brooklyn, New York, who from his university dorm room has created an online store selling vintage watches worth tens of thousands of dollars. And he's turning over last financial year $2.3 million. He's doing okay. If you're getting value from listening, don't keep this podcast a secret. Please let other business owners know about it. This podcast was presented by me, Timbo Reed, and cleverly pulled together by the ever-resourceful team at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and take action.